Well, hey everyone, and welcome to day number nine of our weekday series, Your Questions, God's Questions. I have been enjoying very much uh, doing this uh, this weekday series with you, and we still have more of your questions coming in. And as usual, you can send them to, let's see if this works. Yeah, there we go, citypointchurch.ca slash contact. And I would love to get those questions in, and I don't say who it is who's sending them in. Sometimes people are embarrassed uh, about their question, or they think it's a strange question. Uh, there are no strange questions uh, about God, Christianity, the Bible, except the one that you're too afraid to ask. Okay, and I found that some of the things that bug people the most are unanswered questions. And sometimes those questions go on for years and years and years, and then they lead to the, the, uh, uh, the, the crumbling of someone's faith uh, because they never got an answer. And um, that's too bad because uh, there are a lot of answers to these questions. Some we can't answer, but many we can and so uh, keep sending them in, and uh, if you have friends who you've heard questions from, send them in, uh, forward these, press that little share button, you know that share button uh, that you have there on Facebook, we'll press it, uh, do little watch parties if you like, uh, uh, send the, the, the audio feeds to people, we're on Podbean and iTunes, uh, or sorry, Apple Podcasts as it's called now, and also our website, citypointchurch.ca. So thank you so much for tuning in. Today's question you may find a little unusual, but if you are from a particular religious background, this is not unusual for you at all. It's a very serious question. And this is, does the Bible teach against, does the Bible condemn the modern uh, practice of blood transfusion, the the, the, the all used every day every single day there are blood transfusions millions of them happening to people around the world um, and is this something that the bible says is wrong does the bible frown upon it does the bible condemn it does the bible say that it's sin and we have all seen the stories in the news of people who have refused to have uh, refused having blood transfusions at the expense of their lives or even the lives of their loved ones or their children, for example, because their particular religious view, and it's said to be founded in the Bible, says that having a blood transfusion is sin. And it's forsaking uh, your faith if you have a blood transfusion. Does the Bible sustain this? Does the Bible teach this? Um, and there is a bigger question behind this. Um, that we will see in a moment. But this is a very critical question. There are actually two bigger questions behind it that we'll see in a moment. Or we'll see one now. It's, it's uh, first of all, can we use modern medicine? Is that somehow a lack of faith or something? Uh, that's one way of thinking about this question. And uh, the obvious answer is no. If you read the Bible, you will see that two uh, books in the New Testament... The book of Luke and the book of Acts were written by Luke, the physician, a doctor who is very familiar with detail. If you read Luke and Acts, you'll see all the detail there. Well, why, why in the world would a doctor write two books of the Bible if the Bible frowns on the practice of medicine? Uh, this is nonsense. Okay, so that's one thing. But this business of blood transfusions being wrong, what does the Bible say about this? Well, 
those who believe that the Bible opposes blood transfusions are using as one of their arguments, one of their main arguments, a text from the book of Acts, written by a doctor, <laughs> Dr. Luke. And uh, I'll give you a little bit of background before I read to you the actual verse that is actually used to actually oppose the practice of blood transfusions today for people who are supposedly believers in the Bible. And I'm referring specifically now, I'll name them, this is the Jehovah's Witnesses, and they condemn the practice of blood transfusions, along with several other things, like getting involved in politics, uh, serving in the military, uh, voting, uh, birthdays, uh, celebrating Easter and Christmas. They oppose all these things, and there are various reasons for those things, but I'll focus on blood transfusions for tonight. And uh, this text is found in the book of Acts, chapter 15. And um, the issue here is the context, and that is a bigger issue than the question. This business of not having a blood transfusion, because supposedly the Bible says so, has to do with how we interpret what we read. The Bible is a book. I'll say it again. The Bible is a book. And it has to be interpreted correctly. It is an old book. Okay, Even the New Testament is 2,000 years ago. This is an ancient piece of literature. We have to interpret it correctly if we're going to apply it to our lives today. And the mistake that we make all the time is we do not go into the past and interpret it through the eyes and ears of the initial hearers and readers of what took place. When we understood what it meant to them, we can then understand what it means to us, and we can apply it to our lives. So it's God's word to them, but for us as well. But the key is, how do you rightly interpret before you start applying this stuff to your life? You've got to interpret it correctly. Book of Acts chapter 15, what's going on there is a fierce debate because there were non-Jewish people becoming followers of this Jesus. Christianity started with all Jewish people. Jewish people were, follow, were becoming followers of Jesus as their Messiah. This was not a refutation of Judaism. This was the fulfillment of the promises of Judaism in their Messiah, Jesus. Uh, I myself am a Jew who believes in Jesus. Okay, So uh, the controversy began when it became very apparent that God was accepting non-Jewish people who didn't know anything about the Torah and Moses and what we call the Old Testament today or the Tanakh in that day or sometimes called the Law, the Prophets, the Writings, 39 books of the Old Testament. They didn't know nothing about that, okay? The men weren't circumcised. I mean, they didn't know anything. These people came out of paganism and all kinds of uh, worship of idols and different various religious views and they were becoming followers of Jesus without needing Judaism in order to do so. And this caused a huge ruckus 
because the strong Jewish element of people who still followed the, the, the Mosaic law, who still, uh, at least while the temple was standing, still observed all the temple rituals and so on and tried to follow the cer- ceremonial and, and spiritual and civil law that they read in, in Moses and so on. Uh, they're like, how can God accept these non-Jewish people? Uh, no, they have to do these extra things now. The men have to be circumcised. Wow, so the men have to require surgery in order to be a follower of Jesus. Okay, so the men have to be circumcised. They have to follow Moses. And then they can, then it's okay. Then we'll accept them and, you know, they can follow Jesus just like we do. But w- they're not accepted unless they do all these extra things. And Peter and Paul and their little entourage came into fierce debate with those who said that uh, these Gentiles, these are non-Jewish people, had to follow all this stuff in order to be followers of Jesus and to be accepted into the new community of faith. They opposed this, Paul and Peter, and again, their entourage, and said, no, it is by faith in Christ that these people are saved just as we are. They said, no. We will not impose the law of Moses on them. And they went into example after example after example of what they had experienced and how they saw these non-Jewish people being accepted by God, seeing them uh, uh, filled with the Spirit, for example. And you can read what that is in the book of Acts. And seeing evidence that God is accepting these people. He seems to love everyone, not just us. Uh, Go figure. Uh, And so what they said was, all right, we agree. And then it's really the half-brother of Jesus, um, uh, uh, who James, uh, the half-brother of Jesus, who um, is a leader in the church in Jerusalem in the first century. And he kind of steps up to the bat and says, all right, this is what we're going to impose on these non-Jewish new believers in Jesus. We're, we're gonna, they, we don't, they don't have to follow the law, but we're going to give them two things to follow so that they can live in harmony with these strong Jewish believers in Jesus. You're going to have Jew and you're going to have Gentile living harmoniously. You want to talk about racism? Jewish folks did not like Gentiles. In the first century, they did not. They didn't associate with them. They couldn't eat with them because they were outsiders. And uh, they used a very derogatory term to describe Gentiles, and that term was dogs. That's what they called them. Okay, so there's racism right there uh, back in that time. Okay, and so the church. The community of people, I'm not talking about a building, I'm talking about a community, that's what the word church, the original language that we have in the New Testament, ecclesia, the the, the gathering, the community, that's what the word church really means. It's not referring to a building or a hierarchy or a policy or or a pope, that's not what the word church means. So, um, uh, Jew and Gentile we're going to live harmoniously. Oh, man. And so what they said was, look, we're going, to de- we're going to impose just a few small things upon these people so that there's going to be harmony between them and their Jewish now brothers and sisters. And so they'll get along and they'll have harmony. And the two 
two major things that they imposed had to deal with food and sex. Believe it or not, food and sex. So this is this is what James says, Acts chapter 15, verse 19. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. There's that blood thing. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. So what he's saying is, listen, if they want to hear Moses, they can hear Moses everywhere. Uh, But here's what we're going to tell them beyond what Moses is saying. Here's what we're going to tell them. So food polluted by idols. You see, what would happen was um, for the Gentiles is when food was brought to their various places of worship and temples to be given to their gods and so on, there was a whole lot left over. And that would, in turn, be sold in the public marketplace. And it was good quality cut of of meat because it was presented to their gods. And so they would buy this stuff and they would eat it. Well, this was very, very offensive to Jewish people because it's like this thing is offered to a pagan idol. Uh, You can't eat that. And so that's why this limitation was placed. Don't eat eat food polluted by idols. Why? Because it's going to offend those Jewish believers. From sexual immorality, now this is probably referring uh, specifically to uh, things related more to um, uh, incest. Uh, because it's it's very clear, like, uh, sexual immorality is, is still something that is binding today. If you read the Bible, sexual immorality of all forms is considered uh, sin. That's a subject for another day, how we define that. But there are things in the Levitical law that deal very specifically with things like incest um, and even some more detailed things. Uh, a little difficult to mention. You can read it about it in the book of Leviticus, okay? But I'm talking about incest, even things about bestiality. And um, so these things are, might be referred to here. And again, the pagans coming out of, of their whole religious view there, they would be into some of that stuff, which would be extremely offensive to uh, Jewish people. And so they're saying you stay away from that. And again, this is probably referring more to incestual uh, relations here because they would have known the basic prohibition already of sexual immorality um, uh, in a broad sense. The meat of strangled animals and blood. So there was a way that animals would be killed in order to... uh, uh, for the blood to be drained properly so that it could be presented as uh, a proper sacrifice, you see. And so if all of the blood was not properly drained from the animal, that was very offensive for the Jewish people. And they had a whole system and a whole way to do that. The animal was strangled rather than the throat being slit. I know that's a little graphic, but that's that was the process in a general sense. Then all of the blood wouldn't be drained from the animal. If you ate that animal, that would be considered very offensive because that blood was meant for the atonement of their sin. And so, and then the second uh, thing is is really the same and from blood, just a general eating 
of blood because, again, it was meant for the atonement of sin. And so they're telling these Gentile believers, non-Jewish believers in Jesus, avoid these things and it's going to go well for you. They send a little letter uh, that is sent to the churches that are that are dominated by Gentiles and where there's a lot of Gentiles, and that's that's it. So, I mean, to say that that is referring to a blood transfusion is absolutely incorrect. That is an incorrect interpretation of what is written here. And if you go by the context and you understand the context, which is pretty clearly given to us, Uh, In the book of Acts, when we read it again, read it like a book, and you will understand and interpret it correctly. So it is completely false that the Bible frowns upon blood transfusions. On the contrary, even in the book of Uh, In the books of Moses, the general principle that life is in the blood is there. Uh, The essence, the life of the of the of the creature is in the blood. This is sustained by modern science. So if anything, the Bible sustains the idea of blood transfusions and would support it because the life is in the blood. You want to give uh, uh, life to someone, give blood. Um, and that's one of the things that, that you can do today uh, is to give blood. So the Bible really supports it and would support transfusions, doesn't condemn it at all. Read in context and you'll read a whole lot better. So I hope that is an encouragement for you and a good explanation for you. Forward it to your friends who may be Jehovah's Witnesses and the like or have questions about this subject. And I look forward to being with you again tomorrow for day number 10 of your questions, God's questions. Until then, God bless you.